Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the False God, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce! That's Bruce. <laughs> uh, That's Andy. Welcome to today's episode. You know, we usually do this on episode 8, but because of MagicCon Philly, uh, we push everything a week. And now this is episode 9... Which means we have a little bit of a discussion to have during our break, which we'll get to. Uh, but today's episode is a deck tale. Ooh, ooh. There we go. Oh, that felt good. So, Andy, the question I have for you is, who's the commander on for today? The commander on for today is the Mimeoplasm, one of the original commander commanders. Ooh. Mimeoplasm was originally printed in the uh, the original cycle of the first pre-cons for Commander right. by Wizards of the Coast. And it is an ooze. It's a 0-0. Zero, zero. I'll just read the card now. It's a 0-0. Zero, zero. Uh, blue, green, black, 2 for legendary creature ooze. As the Mimeoplasm enters the battlefield, you may exile two creature cards from graveyards. If you do, it enters the battlefield as a copy of one of those, and uh, with an as a copy is one. You're killing me here. <laughs> I'm killing myself. Um, it enters the battlefield as a copy it, of one of those creatures, with a number of additional plus one plus one counters equal to the power of the other card. Great. So essentially, we're taking two cards, squishing them together. And we're it's getting monster some, mash. something yeah. good. Yes. It's a, a big old squish. Yes. Uh, so, not unlike Grisilda, this sees two cards in a graveyard, but it exiles them. Ah. Um, you make a copy of one, you look at the power <clears throat> of the other. Yeah. So, it, it yeah. wants to do two things. It wants to see big creatures, and it wants to see interesting text boxes. Right. That's it. Um, so the idea behind this deck is uh, to fill the everyone's graveyard. Right. Um, as you can tell, this deck does not, or this card does not specifically say uh, your graveyard. So you can go out nice. after anybody's creatures, and it's excellent. Right. Um, so <clears throat> the biggest thing with this card, this this deck is if you're not feeling the cards in your graveyard look elsewhere and see if that helps um, all right so what do you have in the deck that fills graveyards i have so many things i've got six things i've got probably more than six but there's so many overlaps in these right. categories you'll see um so i've got altar of dementia altar of dementia is a beautiful beautiful masterpiece because you have big creatures that's what this deck does it makes big creatures it makes mimeoplasm a big creature it makes you know a bunch of oozes as well that will eventually be big you sack it to the altar of dementia <clears throat> and then you can choose anyone at the table including yourself because that's the point of the deck is to fill graveyards not necessarily for milling purposes but to fuel the commander and right. this is especially excellent when you're facing a board wrath because you can do all of this at instant speed. Right. Um, I guess my big question is, as someone who 
loves Altar of Dementia. And I run it in one of my 60-card casual decks to great effect. But do you find yourself targeting your yourself, I guess, more often than opponents just because so many people seem to like to have cards in their graveyard nowadays? Yeah. Are, are you know, are you like are you like gifting them with cards in their graveyard? Um, I think it depends. I mean, it's it's always a situational basis. Right. I think that uh fairly enough, like if you see that somebody is intentionally doing graveyard shenanigans, then don't target them yeah. generally, unless you think that you can take them out pretty quickly. Um But I think because I know what's in my own deck, um Right. Unless somebody is serious about big creatures, like say somebody playing mono green, like mill them by all means. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, like the thing with the mimeoplasm that I, I like the most is that it can see those those threats within somebody's deck. You know, it goes to the graveyard. Maybe they're they're planning on taking it out. You play the mimeoplasm. It exiles the card. Right. Um, and even when the Mimeoplasm dies, it's not like it, it goes back to the graveyard. It's just gone. Right. Um, which is now, which is fantastic for removing those threats. Absolutely. Um, and you talk about removing the threat. Um, I love running this because it's it's a, it really discourages your opponents or opponents who are running Sensei's Divining Top, Brainstorm, uh, any any card that searches for a card and puts it on top of your library, yeah. Because this goes off before they can before they can activate the draw, and it is a beautiful thing. I have only managed to do it a couple of times, and obviously you're not going to run Alter Dementia just to mess with the top of their library. But when you get the chance, glorious! I love it <laughs> watching. You know, the card they worked so hard to get onto the top of their library. It's like, no, graveyard, try again, work harder. And ideally, they're putting something really useful into their gra- useful into their graveyard. Hopefully, a creature that you mm. can then use and work, work it with the mimeoplasm. So, um, yeah, it's just, I love Altar of Dementia. I mean, I realize there's some there's some downside issues, but, I mean, that's more a case of, you know, just being careful with how things work as opposed to a problem with the altar itself. So, Yeah. Um, also in this category, I have Corpse Turn, which is uh, a pretty sweet card from uh, Commander Legends. Uh, it's for one and a black for an instant, which is always nice mm-hmm. when something's an instant. You mill yeah. three cards and then you return a creature card from your graveyard to your hand. So if there's something that gets into your graveyard that you want out, it does do that recursion piece, but... This is much more for just getting the three cards into your library or into your graveyard at instant speed. It's setting you up for end of turn, corpse turn, beginning of turn, play Mimeoplasm. Um, and if Mimeoplasm gets to be, I don't know, prohibitively expensive, uh, yeah. just leave the Mimeoplasm in the graveyard, corpse turn gets it right back out. So, yeah. Um, nice. <clears throat> I'm going to skip over the next one. Uh, Rites of Spring. Uh, discard any number of cards from your hand. Any cards. Probably creatures. Mm-hmm. Search your library for that many basic lands. Reveal those cards. Put them into your hand. Uh, this card doesn't see a lot of play for pretty obvious reasons. Um, 
But if your goal is to fill your graveyard, then I don't I don't see a problem here. <laughs> right. No, it, this card this card the issue that people have with it is that it's not ramp. Mm. Meaning it doesn't let you get an extra land out each turn. And that's what people are looking for from their ramp cards. What people underestimate is that this card guarantees you've got a land drop for however many turns you're going to do this for. I mean, you're not going to play Rites of Spring and discard one card. You're right. probably discarding three cards. So, and then you're getting three lands. Well, for the next three turns, you're guaranteed a land drop. And you've already probably played two lands already, at least. So, you're looking at guaranteeing land drops for an extended period of time. Yes, it does not hurry things along. But it's still good that way. And in this deck, the discard is really what kind of what you want anyway. So you're, there's no downside. This is two mana. You know, get the lands into your into your hand that you wanted there in the first place. Oh, and by the way, you can also dump those creatures that you wanted in the graveyard in the graveyard too. Exactly. And all that for and all that for the low low price of one and a green. I mean, yeah, sounds and great. Like honestly, playing this turn two getting all of those creatures into the graveyard um it it really like it really goes to show that mulliganing um takes a little bit more practice with this deck like if you see rights of spring in your deck in your opening hand and you have two lands or yes. a land and you know a soul ring right. then you're golden like the yeah. other four cards you know if you've got two lands or a land and a soul ring and then right to spring the other four cards you can probably just see like oh if i've got two seven drops and a six drop and a four drop like you you will be dumping those it's fine right. because you'll right. be getting the land that you need um it's great um and if you're playing against people that will make you dump that hand, then uh, you don't want to play with those people. <laughs> <laughs> Up next, I have Tomb Robber. Tomb Robber, uh, Tomb Robber and Tortured Existence kind of do a similar thing, uh, okay. which is just you pay a mana to discard a card. Um, Tomb Robber is a 1-1 one, one for 3 with Menace. Tomb Robber, uh, you pay 1, discard a card, and it explores. Uh so you reveal the top card of your library. If it's a land, you put it in your hand. Otherwise, uh, you put a plus one, plus one counter on Tomb Robber, and then you surveil, essentially. It either goes, right. uh, it stays on top or goes to your graveyard, which for one mana, you can get two creatures into the graveyard if you're fairly lucky. I mean, like, you don't really need much luck with that one. Um, no. Tortured Existence uh, is that line of recursion and fill, fill your graveyard. Um it's a single black enchantment for one black. Choose and discard a creature card. Return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. It helps with recursion if you, you know, Mimeoplasm gets prohibitively expensive, or Moltrotha gets into the graveyard and you want her, or, you know, there's so many things that you can get back out of your graveyard, especially early game because it only costs one and one. So that's my. F oh, yeah. And then, of course, uh, the piece de resistance Factor Fiction. Three and a blue. Right. Draw five cards. <laughs> I mean, you reveal the top five cards, an opponent separates those into two piles. You pick one, and the other one goes to the graveyard. So either they're giving you 
big creatures that you can play, or they're putting big creatures into your graveyard, and you can play them. Um, there's there's very little difference between the graveyard and hand, as this section has shown. Uh, I love it. I love factor fiction. Yeah. Because uh, it it takes a lot of patience um, for your opponent to figure out what exactly do they want to give you. How how do they split it up as evenly as yeah. possible? Uh, is the thing. When you look at the mimeoplasm, arguably you could try and split it into two piles where you're getting creatures with text boxes or creatures with big power and toughness and break them up that way. But realistically, nobody's looking that deep yeah. at the mimeoplasm and then trying to figure out their factor fiction that way. And two, honestly, even if they do, you got everybody else's graveyard. So, you know, if they give you a bunch of a big fatty creatures in your graveyard, well, you'll use that to get for your plus one, plus one counter and use somebody else's card for the... Uh, the token, or vice versa, depending on how they decide to split things up. Yeah, there, there's no real downside to it. And mm. since you're picking the pile, you can look what the opponents have in their graveyard and say, oh, he's already got a big fatty in the graveyard. I'll take the pile. I'll put the pile with all of the, the cool flavor text creatures into the graveyard. Now I can pick them, now I can pick them and play the Mimeoplasm and go to town. Yeah. And I think the thing there is like, for as much as they will try to foil your plan of the Mimeoplasm, it's hard for them to control your graveyard plus everyone else's. I think the Mimeoplasm yeah. really uh, just wants to have fun with the table. Um, right. And Mimeoplasm is one of those is one of those cards that if somebody's island gets uh, somebody's graveyard gets bajukabogged, and that's generally what's happening here, there's still all the other ones to use. Exactly. So, so I mean, worst case scenario is that you, your graveyard gets hit, because then you're relying completely on your opponents. But honestly, you can probably ref you can probably get cards into your graveyard fairly quickly anyway. So yeah, I think you're going to be in good shape, even if there is some targeted graveyard hate in your in your game. And generally speaking, there are three types of creatures I have in this deck. Um, okay, and. Two of them are generally types of creatures I want to just put directly into the graveyard. With the third kind of filling out the rest so that if I do get bajuka bogged or nobody has a graveyard type of thing, um, yeah. Yeah, I can still kind of stand on two feet, as it right. were. Um, a thing that you had mentioned was text boxes. Yes. Big tech big juicy text boxes. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, I've got I've got a, a small selection here. Um, I've got Galloping Lizrog, which is a 3-3 three, three for 5, 3 blue-green. Okay. Um, trample, when it enters the battlefield, you may remove any number of uh, plus 1, plus 1 counters from among creatures you control. If you do, put twice that many on Galloping Lizrog. So, it's got Trample. It now has, it. you know, for all of these examples, we're going to talk about it as if it's right. the Mimeoplasm. Yeah. Uh, it's got Trample. It's now got Commander Damage. Uh it starts as a 3-3, three, three, and you both put plus one, plus one counters on it from the Mimeoplasm's text box, and then also from anything else on your board. It's excellent. We've got Gamekeeper, which is middle of the road. It's fine. It really kind of only matters when the creature, Mimeoplasm, is Gamekeeper and it dies. Uh, it says whenever, or when Gamekeeper dies, you may exile it. If you do reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a creature card, put 
that card onto the battlefield and all the other cards revealed this way into your graveyard. Uh, it fuels any sort of kind of recursion. Uh, unfortunately, right. none of those creatures that, or none of those cards that go into the graveyard are going to be creatures. Uh, but, yeah. you know, it helps put out a blocker um, until you can get the Mimeoplasm back uh, from the command zone. The Mimeoplasm as Grun the Lonely King, it's a 5-5. Five, ah. five. Whenever, whenever Grun, whenever the Mimeoplasm as Grun attacks alone, double its power and toughness until end of turn. All right. Um, now, it does not have Trample or anything, uh, but you're most likely going to have a huge amount of counters on it. Uh, so if it is if it goes unblocked, then, uh, I don't know, like, <laughs> game over, I guess. Uh, Multani, uh, Yavamaya's Avatar... I have this in a few of my decks, and this this card is just sick. <laughs> like, it does work. It's a 0-0, zero, zero, which is not great, but uh, it gets plus one, plus one for each land uh, you control and each land in your graveyard. So, you know, we've talked about some milling stuff. You're going to have lands in your graveyard no matter what. Multani's just going to get bigger and bigger. The Mimeoplasm right. as Multani is going to get bigger and bigger. With the additional plus one counters. Right. And we talked about Rites of Spring. Mm. So knowing that Multani's there, when you cast your Rites of Spring and you're discarding cards, discard all your lands. Because you're just going to get that many more of them back. And now you've also got lands in your graveyard, which will only make Multani a little bigger. So, um, yeah, you know, another another bonus, another interaction between the cards. And Multani for... So, Multani's also got Reach and Trample. So, if you make yep. Mimeoplasm as Multani huge, you can get that, that commander damage in. It's great. Uh, third line of text on Multani says, uh, One in a green, return two lands you control to their owner's hand. Return Multani from your graveyard to your hand. So, if you stumble upon this card late game, even if, you know... You have Mimeoplasm out, or if Mimeoplasm it isn't even necessarily prohibitively expensive, you can always get Multani out of the graveyard as just another creature. Um, right. A thing I try to keep in mind is that I like my only creature doesn't have to be the Mimeoplasm. I can have right. more creatures than that. Uh, yeah. The fact that Multani has Reach and Trample is really nice. The Reach is great for blocking. The Trample is nice for attacking. And if you exile it with... The Mimeoplasm, you can't get it back. So keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, and then we've got everyone's favorite bearded friend, uh, Uncle Istfan, who's black, 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 one, uh, for a 1-3. And it says prevent all damage that would be dealt to Uncle Istfan by creatures. So uh, nothing spectacular, but it's just like a little fun thing where if you are facing a board full of, I don't know, Death Touchers, right. Uncle Isvan will be fine. Oh, well, yeah. Mimeoplasm as Uncle Isvan. Uncle Isvan does work. Um, he, well, number one, he's an excellent blocker. I realize Uncle Isvan only does one point of damage, but when somebody's swinging in with their big, with their big guy, Uncle Isvan is preventing all the damage. So it works out really well. And that also works out nicely in combat, too, because people are just not interested in... in Know, in dealing with a whole lot in front of him. Now, if you take Uncle Isvan, where his power is only one, that's fine. But when it, the Mimeoplasm is Uncle Isvan, the Mimeoplasm is going to have a bunch of plus one, plus one counters on him. 
suddenly Uncle Istvan looks a whole lot more threatening. For sure. Um, and then along with those text boxes, you want big bodies so you can get a lot of plus one, plus one counters on Mimeoplasm. Um, and this category overlaps with a lot of the other categories. A lot of these creatures have cool text boxes that you might want. So like there's a lot of flexibility with how you play your commander uh, with this deck. Um, Eryxmethes, you can play as the four mana 12-12 that comes in with five slumber counters. Um, it's a land. You can tap it for blue and a green. Um, or you can throw it in the graveyard and get 12 plus one plus one counters on it. We also have the next card's Death Shadow, which is mm -hmm. a single black for 13-13. Um, it says it gets minus X minus X where X is your life's total. Then don't play it. Just throw it in your graveyard, wait for Mumioplasm to come out. You get 13 plus one counters. Uh, right. Think of all of those big creatures that have big downsides on their text boxes. Take away the text box. Suddenly not mm. an issue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, this is this is fun. Um, up next, we have Masker Worm. Masker Worm makes for a great uh, creature by itself. It makes for a wonderful text box, but also uh, it's a 6-5. So you get 12 plus one counters. Or yeah, Masquerum fits. I, I know it's under the big bodies category, but it also fits under the text box category there. So mm. um, I wouldn't mind uh, Death Shadow's 13 token, 13 plus one plus one counters on a Massacre Worm. Oh, yeah, and 1918. I mean, yeah, woof. <laughs> yeah, and then on top of that, every time you attack, they have to block with something. And unless their stuff has <laughs> indestructible, you they will be taking two life every time right um next up we got palaka worm which has trample it's a seven seven yes four seven uh so the trample alone makes this text box worth it as a text box creature but it also right. says when it enters the battlefield gain seven life and when it dies you draw a card so yeah as as the mimeoplasm it would be great for the text box it would also be great for the seven plus one counters uh yeah uh, up next, we oh, got yeah. Rotting Regisaur. Uh, it's a three mana, seven six, which sold. At the beginning of your upkeep, discard a card. Um, which this is, is an excellent. Comical. That's supposed to be the downside. Right, exactly. Uh, in this deck, it's an upside, especially if you get yeah. it out on. You could get this out on turn two. Um, yeah. From then on, you just keep discarding creatures. Uh, that's it. Uh, that helps fuel Mimeoplasm, or if Rotting Registrar ends up in the graveyard, you got seven plus one plus one counters you can right. uh, work with. Yargle, our good old vanilla buddy, gives you nine plus one plus one counters. Right, and that's the other thing to keep in mind. You get counters, you get plus one plus one counters for the power of the creature, not plus one, it's not, you get the nine three. You're getting uh, the full nine. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's um, very nice. Removal, nothing too exciting. Um, I'd say except for maybe Steel Hellkite. Steel Hellkite's nice because it can also be your text box. It can also be your plus one counters. Um, the I think the biggest downside with Steel Hellkite is that uh, it says X, destroy each non-land permanent with converted mana cost X whose uh, controller was dealt combat damage by Steel Hellkite this turn. Activate this ability only once each turn. Um, more often than not, 
that X is going to be zero, you're going to destroy a bunch of bunch of treasures um, if you play in a treasure-heavy meta. But it's not X or less, and I think that's the biggest downside to that. That's right. it. Um, yep. That's not a huge downside by any mean. No. The one that I get a kick out of out of the list, mm-hmm. run away together. Mm. Uh, I mean... For one and a blue, choose two target creatures controlled by different players. Return those creatures to their owner's hands. Now, if you're lucky enough and you can find two opponents, you want to return both of their creatures, great. Uh, More importantly, though, I think this is an easy way to save the Mimeoplasm so that the cost doesn't go through the roof. If the Mimeoplasm gets targeted, is about to die, you can do Runaway together, return the Mimeoplasm to your hand, so you only have to pay the five to put it back out next turn, and you can take one of your opponent's creatures and put it back in their hand as well because, uh, you know, it doesn't hurt to slow them down a little bit. For sure. So, you know, find some creature they've got with counters or that's, you know, fully aurid up or whatever. How, you know, whatever the situation. I love that combination. I love the, the ability that that has. It's giving you a little extra in addition to the removal. Um, I'm going to talk recursion real quick and then we'll take it to break. Uh, right. But... Uh, this package here, I mean, you could slot in any, uh, and I think that's kind of a theme with this deck is that you can, for most of these categories, you can just kind of slot in anything. Um, but the recursion here um, has a lot of flexibility in terms of like a lot of the things are sacrifice a thing, get thing back type of thing. Like Blood for right. Bones, for instance. You sacrifice a creature, return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield, then return another creature card from your graveyard to your hand. That and, say, victimize, choose two, two target creatures in your graveyard, sacrifice a creature if you do return the chosen cards to the battlefield tapped. So, sure, they're both sorceries. They're both, you have to sacrifice a creature, but... If, say, you know, like the Massacre Worm, right? Uh, Massacre Worm has an ETB. Everything gets minus two, minus two. Um, Say you want to do that again. Say your opponent has a huge board of one ones, you know, elves or otherwise. Yeah. And you want Massacre Worm to go into the graveyard so that Mimeoplasm can bring it back out. Uh, Both of these cards are helpful for that. Uh, That said... Uh, you also have Strands of Night, which is just a quality card from, I don't know what block that is. It's a book. Um, or a set, I guess. Uh, what's the book? Is that, That's not Odyssey. That's, uh, anyway. Strands of Night, black, black, pay two life, sacrifice swamp, put target creature. What? It's from uh, Weatherlight. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Um. Black, black, pay two life, sacrifice a swamp, put target creature card from your graveyard into play. Two things. Let me hold up the right number of fingers. Two things. Uh, One, instant speed. Two, it's directly into play. It's not tapped. It's, It's fantastic for, you know combat shenanigans it's fantastic for the fact that right you could get sepulchral primordial out for two mana sure it's two life in swamp as well but like overall that that means nothing um yeah but uh i've I've got a few more categories i want to talk about when we get back from break um but mostly what i 
I'll save I'll save a little bit of a surprise for, for you guys. Uh, we'll be right back. This episode of Temple of False Pod is brought to you by Arixmithies, or Pier, or Rotting Reg, or Palakor, or Ochre Jelly, or can't really look at it too closely. If you look at it, it changes. I don't know what. I don't know what I'm looking at here. This episode of Temple of False Pod is brought to you by. Who's to say? Who's who's really to say who what who supports this podcast? It's you. You support this podcast. Thank you. Who's to say? Oh, who's to say? Yeah. That's what you said, man. My earbuds are failing me. Um, Who's to say? And we're back. Uh, we're talking about the... I almost said Ozolith, which is not in this deck, because it's in a different deck, and I can only afford one. Stop asking! Uh, we're talking about the Mimeoplasm. Um, so, you know, like we've been talking about, a lot of these cards, a lot of these creatures especially have either nice text boxes or big powers or both. Uh, and you know what? You know what doesn't have big powers? Hydras and oozes. But they care a lot about uh, counters. What well, I don't know why I keep forgetting that word. Hopefully by the end of this episode I'll remember it. So uh, they, they care a lot about counters. Uh, counters so i have a whole section dedicated right. to oozes and hydras um more oozes than hydras but that's because maybe a plasm's an ooze ooze to say uh so we got biogenic ooze uh creates another ooze your end step you put plus ones on all oozes feral hydra it's a hydra comes in the x plus one plus one counters uh, you can pay to put plus one plus one counters on it, but so can anybody. Who's gonna do it? Who's just me, I it? guess. Just just me. Who's gonna do it? Uh, Hero's Bane comes in with four plus one counters on it, and you can uh, pay to put more counters on it. <laughs> so uh, you can you can kind of tell that there's a theme going on here of of. Uh, just kind of being able to put counters on things continually. Voracious Hydra uh, is a f- another fairly flexible one. Comes in with X plus one counters on it. And then you can either double or you can have it fight something. Uh, both valid. Wildwood Scourge. This one seems to be the bell of the ball here. Uh, for green and an X, as most Hydras are, except for the Voracious one. Um, comes in with pl- X plus one counters, and then when you put one or more plus ones on a non-Hydra creature, it gets more. Capiche? Yes, and you have plenty of creatures that are non-Hydra mm. that will get counters, meaning yes. every ooze. And honestly, I think like... so. Before the break, I kind of had mentioned this, but uh, a lot of this deck is built so that, and I mean, honestly, this might be something I do in the future, but like you take, you know, I've got 7, 14, let's say 
20 to 25 creatures in this deck that like can be easily slaughtered in and out right right so it would be cool <laughs> and i might do this uh if i took you know got like a t- pile of let's say 50 creatures and then i take out 20 to 25 shuffle them in the deck and then the next time i play it i take those out put different ones in or shuffle the the side deck and it'd be great um oh yeah i can definitely see this deck as a deck that could run as a as packages yeah and i think that a lot of that has to do with the fact that it it can also rely on everybody else's deck so like of course it's flexible of course there is that built-in flexibility where your creatures don't necessarily matter um like they're they're not set in stone there's like probably i don't know 20 cards in this deck uh that need to be in this deck and then the other ones can just be whatever uh whatever you're feeling that day yeah um there's some counter shenanigans that aren't oozes and hydras you got pier which is just an excellent card uh a little pricey money wise but uh you know i i was gonna say i think pier and lightning greaves are the are the two most expensive cards in the deck? They come in at <laughs> roughly ten each. Know, yeah, around ten each. Um, yeah. So all things considered, the the price on this deck is pretty reasonable. So, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, um, for those who I... don't know, Pure is uh, Pure Imaginative Rascal. It's two and a green, uh, legendary creature. It's a one one. It partners with Toothy, imaginary friend. Uh, for this deck, not relevant. Uh, hmm. If one or more counters will be put on a permanent, your team controls that many plus one. Uh, that many plus one of each of those kinds of counters are put on that permanent instead. So you're getting an extra counter. Um, and whenever you've got a situation where you're adding one counter at a time, you're essentially doubling, and that's where peer really shines. Yeah, peer's there for the extra counters. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean. He's great at that. <laughs> um, it is interesting because it's just an additional one. Um, but, right. you know, with the other things like the oozes and stuff, if you're putting them on incrementally, you're getting extra value. Yeah. So if you're going to take out the oozes and hydras, take out Pier. Not worth it. Not worth, right. like, you know, you... Yeah. you, you do say galloping Lizrog with death shadows counters so you get 13 but then with pure you get 14 and that's very unimpressive right um, uh, i mean pure is as expensive as it is because it pure also works uh with uh planeswalkers so when mm. you plus one your planeswalker you're actually getting two loyalty counters that's the big reason why pure costs so much i see um, but uh, it, like I said, if you've got if you've got situations like like here where your hydras are adding, you know, where you get to put one counter on all your creatures on each of your creatures, now you're putting two. You're getting you're getting significant benefit there, and that's that's really where peer, that this is where Pierre shines. So, yeah, and then you've got Life Crafter's Gift, which put a plus one plus one counter on target creature, then put plus one plus one counter on each creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it. Uh, so if you go wide, it's great. Or if you just have the one creature with plus one counters on it, um, 
you get two plus ones essentially right. on that one creature. Um, but the spicier one is Invigorating Surge for three mana, one of which has to be green. Put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature control, then double the number of plus one, plus one counters on that creature. <laughs> so say, you know, you come in with a fairly big Mimeoplasm, and they're like, they do the math, and they're like, all right, fine, I let it through, no blocks. Bam, you double it. And well, now they're I mean, dead. It's well, a kill spell. Even if even if you're only getting, say, six counters on the Mimeoplasm, yeah, because when you created it, well, invigorating surge puts one more, so now you're at seven, seven and then doubles it. So now you got fourteen counters. That mm. doesn't even include its base power and toughness. And yeah, the base power and toughness is even a two-two. Well, okay, now you're looking at a sixteen-sixteen, hopefully trample mm. or some kind of evasion, and you are just walloping somebody. Just yeah. uh, it is that is vicious. Vicious and it's game. an instant, which just makes it all the better. Um, um, so that brings us to win conditions. Uh, it's combat, period. Uh, I right. guess I could put in, what is it, Simic Ascendancy? Where it, every time you put a counter on something, yeah. you also put a counter on Simic Ascendancy. And then if you get, I think it's like 20 counters on Simic Ascendancy at the beginning of your upkeep, you get uh, to win the game. Right. I don't have that in here. Uh, I guess I could, but I haven't really thought about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> we've got Helix Pinnacle because, uh, but because it's got blue and green in it, because it's generally a Simic with black deck, uh, you're just gonna have a lot of extra mana just available, sitting around doing nothing. Uh, so it's got Shroud, which is excellent. And then for X, you can put X tower counters on Helix Pinnacle. And then at the beginning of your upkeep, if you have 100 or more tower counters on it, you win the game. I put it in this deck because I had one, and I wanted to see if I could make it work. Haven't played the deck enough since to tell you if I could. So right. it's staying. <laughs> and something to keep in mind. At the, end of your, at the end of your opponent's turn, if you have four mana, to spare mm -hmm. you might as well put it into the helix pinnacle yeah and get four counters <clears throat> if you have pyro you put one in mm, and then four one more. activations for eight That's four brilliant. activations for eight not one activation <laughs> and getting five because because you're a ding because you're a wing nut and didn't think about that it has to it, it's one per so just feed it feed it slowly and you'll get there don't you worry Sorry I ruined your surprise and I cut you off. Uh, I just got so excited. I didn't ever think of that. That's brilliant. Yeah. Um, up next we have Song of Fraley's, which uh, is a common saga from Dominaria. First two chapters, your creatures get tap to add one mana of any color. Your, your creatures become birds of paradise. Great. Um, that will help you get Mimeoplasm out, sure, fine. The third chapter says put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. Those creatures gain vigilance, trample, and indestructible until end of turn. Right. Um, this is to close out the game. This is to absolutely, like, you've got one opponent left and you just need to push through. And maybe you don't have trample. Maybe you're worried about the crackback. 
You got Vigilance, you got Indestructible. Nothing matters anymore, just attack. <laughs> um, up next we have Sir Conrad. Sir Conrad is self-explanatory. You're sending a lot of things to the bin. Uh, Sir Conrad says, yes. whenever a creature dies, okay, sure. Whenever a creature card is put into a graveyard from anywhere, other than the battlefield, that's where we're talking. Yeah. Or a creature leaves your graveyard. Also excellent. Uh, mm-hmm. It deals one damage to each opponent. That's that's the key here. Each opponent. Right. Um, you have so many mill strategies in this deck. Uh, he has one on himself for a yeah. single black and one generic mana. Each player mills one card. So every time a creature goes into the into the bin from that, everybody takes a point. Um, right. Now, say you play Mimeoplasm, and you target two things in your graveyard. Those two things get exiled, so they leave right. your graveyard, and everybody takes two. Takes <laughs> um, two. Right now, you sacrifice that the Mimeoplasm to Altar of Dementia. Yeah. Okay. Well. The Mimeoplasm just left play. That's one more. We're now at three. The Mimeoplasm then mills target player uh, for however many. Twelve? Mm. Yeah. So and that's twelve cards. How many of those are going to be creatures? At least a third of them. Or about a third of them. Um, right. Probably. And that's that much more damage dealt yeah. out. And I'm that's to everyone. Right, and I'm not saying doing that once is, a, is, a, is your win condition, but it certainly buffs things along and makes, makes stuff like Altar of Dementia just outright scary for your opponents because oh, absolutely. that is just, that, that is a nightmare. You know? um, I've got a maybe board tacked onto this, right. and it was, it's kind of the thing that I was talking about earlier where like <laughs> these are just ideas for cards that would work well in here that um, I didn't have uh, when I built the deck. Right. I haven't updated this deck in a while, or at least like given it its proper due. Um, so you got things like the ancient dragons that would fit in here, uh, mostly bronze and silver. Uh, sure. Bronze gives plus one plus one counters, which is a thing that you want to do. Yes. <laughs> and silver draws you cards, which you always want to do. Right. Apex Altisor, great text box, big power. Um, it fights things, and then when it takes damage, it fights things, and when it takes damage, it fights things. So, uh, more or less, you stop it when you want to, until it takes damage again. And if it's got, you know, 12 plus 1 plus 1 counters on it, it's a 22-22, it's going to take a while before it dies. Uh, Apex Devastator, Cascade, 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 Cascade. Uh, (laughs) And it's a 10-10. Elder Brain. Now, this card... This is a card that I want to try so bad, and I know that if I put it in this deck, it'll be probably four games before I find it. Um, I just want to see what this does. That's all I want. It's a 6-6 six, six for 7. So black, black, 5. Creature type horror with menace, which uh, I'll get back to in a sec. Uh, Whenever it attacks a player, exile all cards from that player's hand, then they draw that many cards. So it's not all feel bad. It's like a little feel bad because they're probably trying to set up for things. Uh, But you just made them, you know, essentially discard their hand. 
but they're also drawing that many, so good on you. <laughs> you may play lands and cast spells from among the exile cards for as long as they remain exiled. That does not say as long as Elder Brain is on the battlefield. Yes. So those are your cards now. You just drew their hand. Um, and that's every time it attacks. Uh, now, if you cast a spell this way, you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast it. So that just helps all the more. Right. Uh, if you know that they just drew into something pretty sweet, great. It's yours now. I will say, um, our friend Josh actually played this last week in a game of Commander that I Ooh. was in. And uh, I think you really hit you really hit it on the head, Andy. And you said... You draw. You were essentially drawing the cards. I think the cool thing with it too is that it because it's not drawing, it's not going to your hand because you can't have other people's cards in your hand. Mm -hmm. um, so you don't have to discard for it. Um, right. Granted, that would be kind of nice with Mimeoplasm as an idea, but like you don't have to worry about. Oh my god, I got to get these out now. You know. Um, so I I think it's just it's. It's. I think it's neat. Um, it's a 6-6 six, six for 7, in the very least. It's a 6-6 six, six with a cool text box. It's a big power, cool text box. Great, great. And and Menace. And Menace, right. Thank you. I want it to come the back. Men to yeah, the Menace cannot be underplayed. As you get to the late games, you're going to be looking at opponents who only have two cards or three cards left in hand. Yeah. And you think to yourself, well, that's not seven cards. I'm like, yeah, but you know what? They've been hanging on to those cards. <laughs> those cards mean something to them. They're special. They're do it. They're gonna do something with those cards. And if you can yank them out of their hands and give them three random cards, odds are those th those three new cards are not gonna be nearly as good as the ones they had in hand. And you're gonna get some good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, like, I think the biggest thing that this deck lacks is evasion. You know, uh, throughout this episode, I've been trying to point out when a creature has evasion which makes it have a cool right. text box um you know you've got uh sepulchral primordial you've got yeah. you know uh even thousand face shadow which i didn't talk about because i don't know if it's a card that works the way i want it to right um has flying you've got a few things that have flying you got a few things that have trample you've got a few things that have you know menace um, and overall, like, that's the thing that you want, because this deck is, for all intents and purposes, a Voltron deck. Um, right. You're putting plus one counters a lot on one yeah. creature and attacking with it. So if you don't have Trample, if you don't have Flying, if you don't have Menace, if you don't have Intimidate, if you don't have Fear, if you don't have, you know, Unblockability, like, this deck does fall apart, which is, I mean, I built this deck years ago, um... I think that that would be the first thing that, with a a pass, another pass on it, would be right. the thing that sticks out in my mind the most. Is like this needs, this needs that. Um, right. Um. So, as somebody who built Grisilda Monster Masher, which does a lot of has a lot of the a similar, uh, similar requirements. You're looking for creatures in graveyards. You're looking to do this, that, and the other. Um, couple of things that I would that I would be looking to to, to add or, or or massage into the deck in some way. Now we mentioned the Ozolith, or as I like to call it for this deck, the Oozolith. 
Um, <laughs> obviously a great card for the deck. Uh, folks, there's some serious money involved with the Uzalith, and I mean dollars. Um, mm. So if you've got it, great. If not, you'll, you'll work without it. Um, but more importantly, um, I was thinking about uh, Rogue's Passage and other ways to make your creature unblockable. Um, yeah, we got what? Rogue's Passage, we've got Whisper Silk Cloak, um, uh, none of which are in this deck. Actually, yeah, Rogue's Passage isn't even in this deck. Amazing. Um, yeah. So you want to have some ways to do this. And I mean, you're running blue. Mm. You're, honestly, um, what is it? Invisible Stalker? I think it's a 1-1. One, one, and it just says that it's... No relation. Um, exactly. But it says that it's unblockable. So you've got a 1-1 one, one unblockable. You're going to put 6 plus and plus 1 counters on it. So now you've got a 7-7 seven, seven unblockable. Yeah. It's not super exciting. The text box isn't amazing, but it does kind of what you want it to do. Um, the other thing that you want to keep in mind when looking at other creatures to, to insert in and out of the deck, um, find creatures with haste. Mm. Uh, there is nothing worse than putting together a big juicy creature, or in your case, a mimeoplasm with a pile of plus and plus one counters and a really cool ability, and then having to wait. I know you've got the Greaves in here, and I know that there, are, there I believe there are other ways that you can make things hasty, but man, uh, too many times with, uh, with Grusilda, I, so I would spend the five to put two creatures together only to see it get killed at some point in the course of the turn because everybody gets a chance to take it out. And it was just, uh, it was very frustrating watching that happen and knowing that you're just burning turns because your creatures just don't have haste. So, um, yeah, which like, so, I mean, you know, with Grisils is a little easier. It got red. Um, yes. With, yeah, I, I agree. With blue, you have ways to give things flying or unblockability. With green, you have ways to give things trample. Um, some additions that I would uh, probably put myself into these decks. Um, you've got Kodama the West Tree, which says modified creatures you control have trample. Uh, so equipment, auras you control, or counters, or modifications. Great. Uh, and then um, uh, Garrick's Uprising just says creatures you control have trample. There's a few of those creatures. A few that are also creatures that just say creatures you control of trample. Right. Excellent. Um, anything that gives other things trample is always good in my book. Yeah. Especially if you're playing multiple creatures. Um, um, that kind of rounds out my deck. I mean, right. as you can see, there's a lot of... Like, like I've said, <laughs> there's a lot of area where you can just slot things in, take things out. It's an easy deck to modify to be <laughs> modify uh to be your own. It's an easy deck to like you get bored of a certain card, take it out, put something just like dumb and big in it. Uh and I think that like it in <laughs> I I think magic, I mean, I think wizards kind of peaked early with uh with this commander design, but uh you know, it it can do broken things. I am aware of right. that. 
I don't want to do that. I want to yeah. do dumb things. I want to do yeah. silly things. I want to laugh at myself. Right. Um, which is also kind of why there isn't, like, a terrible amount of, of evasion in here. Um, right. You add a rogue's passage and then suddenly, you know, it's like, it's how big? Yeah, right? Oh, oh so I'm dead. <laughs> yeah. I'm just dead because that's commander damage in one yeah. hit kind of thing. Um. It's it's an easy deck to probably break, but I really like just, you know, with every preview season, just seeing what dumb big thing could possibly go in this deck. Right. Um, and, yeah, it's just it's just silly, is what it is. Um, and I hope to play it again soon, honestly. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I finally finished cataloging all my cards. And I finally finished like nice. breaking down most of my decks. I broke down. I ha- I had twelve decks to begin with, um, when I started. When I guess when I moved, um, and I broke down half of them. I still have six yep. left because some of them were fairly new when I moved. So like I never really got to play them much. You know, I've got my Kazer and Ukima deck. I've got my Vazi deck, which is kind of starting to get old. Um, but I've got this because through through putting this deck into Architect, I was like, oh, this just brings a smile on my face. I just yeah. want to do stupid, stupid stuff. Right. Uh, and, uh, I mean, obviously, too, the uh, heads I win, tails you lose uh, <laughs> secret layer deck right. that I have sleeved up <laughs> waiting to play one day. Uh <laughs> Because of that, finally game. But uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I could talk about this deck all day. It seems like I have. Um, is there anything else that you want to talk about with this with this deck? Um, not particularly. I, it just, you know, I, I sort of talked about some of the some of the spots where I thought it was thought it was open. And again, I really like that the idea of the package. I like the idea of the deck constantly being fresh because, I mean, as soon as you get a little bit bored, you you know, you snatch out a half a dozen cards and slot in a half a dozen new cards and then the deck is going to play just that little bit differently. Or at least it'll be acting differently because I know that I can get the same thing with Grisilda. Uh, with, with Grisilda. Mm. Pull out a handful of cards and you put in put a bunch of other cards and away you go. It's, you know, and the deck plays very differently than it did, than it did otherwise. So, um yeah, I think this is uh, this looks like a lot of fun, and uh, can't wait to see you get some get get a few more games with it on your belt. Yeah, me, I, I I can't wait. Um, so uh, that's gonna do it for us this week. At Tumble yes. of Vaultspot, we're decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. Uh, this was episode ninety nine. Next week is episode one hundred, Bruce. Um, ninety nine, baby. And, uh, you know, for all our listeners out there, we got, you know, something exciting planned, surely. Uh, and hopefully it'll come together before we have to release it. So, uh, you know, either we'll have uh, a deck building challenge, which uh, I will chime in right here. Um, or we'll have our special plan enacted. Um and uh we'll we'll see you next week um march is almost over 
March will almost be over by the time uh, we see you next week. Um, I'll say it again. We're Temple of False Pod. We're Dexter Not Optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I am Bruce. That's that's Bruce. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. Don't forget, we're on YouTube, and I think next season will also still be on YouTube. Uh, so we'll see you next week. Thank you so much. Wow, I'm just going to talk in circles today. Yeah. Uh, play some magic for me. Have a great night. And may your fifth land be the temple. Bye! Wait, wait, before you go, I uh, just wanted to say thank you for listening. You can reach out to us via email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com or on Twitter at falsepodmtg. Bruce is at manaburned and I'm at Andy Weekend, though you'll definitely notice I use the podcast Twitter far more often. Now that we've got you here, make sure you subscribe, like, rate us on uh, whatever podcast platform you use. It helps us out, it gets us more reach. Subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Uh, like a video there. Leave some comments for more casual enjoyment. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with some more timeless discussions about all things casual. So come hang out and may your fifth land be the temple. Bye-bye. Should I do my best, Bruce? Bye! Bye.